Man, y'all are rock stars this morning, right? You got up and got out of bed and got to church on this difficult day. So we're glad that you're here. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. And uh, we'll be in, in, uh, I'm not going to reread the passage that Brandon read, but I am going to refer to it. And then we'll inch on over into Philippians chapter 3 as well here in a minute. Here's what we're talking about today. Look at the the, uh, cover of your bulletin. Have y'all looked at that? To see what in the world are we talking about today? Y'all do this. Do this right here. Come on. Participate. It'll keep you awake. All right. There you go. Do this. All right. Y- y'all, have, y'all have heard this before, right? Do this. Now with the rest of your fingers, do this. Are y'all following this along? Do this. Okay, okay, okay. So here's what we've done. We've taken you. We've united you with Christ. That is to become a Christian by believing in Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, you find out that you're united with all the people of Jesus Christ. That's the church. So on the cover of your bulletin, you say, what in the world is this guy doing? Y'all have heard this. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the doors. Here's all the people. That's what we're talking about today. So if you get lost in the sermon, just keep doing that, okay? All right. That's what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about the church, the gathered people of God, the gathering of the people of God, which assumes that there is a place where the people gather. We're talking about people. Philippians chapter 2, at the close of it, there are these very practical matters of the church addressed. You know, Philippians, and really, I would just say this, of all of Paul's letters, here is the general flow of Paul's writings inspired by the Spirit. He talks about the great and glorious theological truths of our union with Christ and and what the church is. And so generally, he talks about theology, and there's almost always a break or a point at which he gets to a therefore. And then he goes into very practical Matters. How do we live out these glorious truths in our lives? And Philippians chapter 2 begins with this great and glorious picture. And he says, have this mind in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, that though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God as something to be grasped and held on to, but he made himself a servant. And he left the glories of heaven and he comes down and and he doesn't just become a man. He becomes a man who gives his entire life to obey God and he goes to the cross for us. And God has taken him from that low place then and has highly exalted him and given him that name that is above every other name. And we saw how Christ humbled himself, even to a point of humiliation, but God exalted him from that place. And it's the pattern of Christian living. And and so it's that beautiful, poetic Christ hymn or psalm. And then here, all of a sudden, we get into these very practical matters of interest to the church. And we usually skip over these things when we preach. These things like Brandon read, I hope in the Lord Jesus that I will be coming to you shortly, Paul writes. And when I see how it's going to go with me, I hope to send Timothy before I can come. Timothy was there caring for Paul's need, most likely as he was in prison. 
And he says, but this guy Epaphroditus that you sent to me, this member of the church at Philippi, who you sent as your messenger and minister to care for my needs, I thought it was really necessary that I go ahead and send him back. It's most likely that Epaphroditus takes this letter that we call Philippians back to the church. And so Paul's talking about very practical matters of the church, and we skip over those things. And I'll tell you, a lot of times we don't think that practical matters for the church are worth addressing during the, the worship service. Oh, sure, we give a few announcements, but we very seldom give expanded uh, amounts of time, especially during the sermon, to practical matters. And so in today's text, it's really a beautiful thing to see how Practical theology works in the church. What happens in the church? And I will say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to see what is here in Philippians 2 and 3. And then along the way, I also want to give you updates about what is going on at First Baptist Church of Valley Springs in these days. So some just very practical matters of interest to the church. One of the first things here that Paul addresses in these practical matters is personnel and ministry information for the church, specifically for the church there at Philippi. Not only was the Philippian church a financial partner with Paul in his pioneer missionary efforts, but they had skin in the game. They had sent this dude, Epaphroditus, to go care, to go be a part of that missionary team now that Paul seems to be in this dire need. You know, when, when Roman imprisonment uh, happened to somebody, um, much of the time that they had to, the prisoner had to take care of their own needs. There was not, you know, TV and exercise programs and a nice place and three squares a day. They were responsible. If you want to eat, you figure it out. And so the Philippian church wanted to care for Paul by sending not just money, but to send this trusted man named Epaphroditus there to Paul and to Timothy to care for his needs it's most likely as you're reading this letter, you say there were some things going on at Philippi. They had some questions. They needed some help. They were actually either apparently asking Paul, when you get a chance, please come back. And Paul's going, well, I'm in jail. I'm, I'm uh, incarcerated right now. I'd love to come to you. Maybe what they said is, if you can't come, would you send Timothy? Timothy was a, like a spiritual son to the Apostle Paul. He was traveling with him. He was a preacher. He was a missionary. It's most likely that they have had some difficulties there in Philippi. They said, we need a strong leader. We need you to come. And, and if you can't come, send Timothy. And now here is just this practical part of the letter where Paul says, I can't right now. And I would love to send Timothy too, but I don't think that's going to happen right now, but maybe soon. But I'm sending back Epaphroditus. And, and we filled Epaphroditus in, and, and he's written this letter. So very practical things. But I'll tell you this, as I read this, I think one of the beautiful things we see is a glimpse into the kind of leaders, the kind of ministry leaders that a local church should look for. Look at some of the things here that he says about, for instance, Timothy. It's found in verses 19 and 20. And 21, what does he say about Timothy? He says, I have no one like this guy who is of kindred spirit. He called uh, Timothy his son, like a spiritual son. He, he, he submits and does the things that I'm doing. And here's what I would say about church leaders. They should be of kindred spirit. They love the family of God and they're willing to serve. And so Timothy was that kind of guy. That was the kind of guy they were asking for. He says this. He said, he has 
genuine concern for you. A good ministry leader is one who has concern, not just for the program of the church, but the people who are the church. And I have no one like Timothy who genuinely, he loves you and he cares for your needs. He says, everyone else, and it's kind of a a shocking statement, everyone else seems to seek after their own good. But Timothy, Timothy, he cares about not just you, he cares about the things of Christ Jesus. That's what a ministry leader should be, someone who loves the things that Jesus loves. You want to know what Jesus loves? All the children of the world. He cares about saving people. He cares about the gospel, but he loves in a special way his church. And Timothy, like Paul, like Jesus, loved the church. And that's a great thing as we look for leaders in the church. And then there's this dude, Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, who actually was a member of the church at Philippi. And so he's sending Epaphroditus back. And, and you get the sense of maybe, maybe the people are going to be disappointed that Epaphroditus is just Epaphroditus. It's not Timothy. It's not Paul. But listen to what Paul says about this guy, Epaphroditus, who is a member of their own congregation, who has now stepped up. He left his job, if he has a family, his home, his safety, and went on this missionary journey. Listen to what he says about Epaphroditus. He is my fellow worker. He is a fellow soldier for the gospel. He is your messenger, and here's the word, he is a minister. A minister is a great word. There are a couple of different words that are translated as minister. One is deacon. It's it's one who serves. But there's another word here, and it's the word that he uses, liturgus. Same word we get liturgy from when he calls him a minister. A liturgist was a, 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 largely a political position. It was a position of authority and in a position of respect that people look to to serve the people. And he says Epaphroditus is that. Epaphroditus' story is he is gone. He's taking these questions that the Philippian church has. He's taking some money and he's going to where Paul is. And along the way, he falls sick. He gets Not just a cold. He gets deathly ill. In fact, Paul says he nearly died for this. This is a guy who has embraced the lifestyle of Jesus. One who is giving up sacrificially of himself to serve the church and the gospel mission. He says he got sick. He nearly died. He said, oh my goodness, I am so glad he didn't die. Not just because I love Epaphroditus, but this would have been sorrow upon sorrow. Well, the Philippians have probably gotten word that, hey, something's happened with Epaphroditus. This thing has gone haywire, and it's very possible that the church was gathering up someone else to go and to care and to see what is going on. And Epaphroditus shows up, and this letter tells them what has happened. But here's what we see about Epaphroditus. He is a minister that has come out from the very congregation, one who has proven himself to be a sacrificial servant of the Lord and to care about the things of of Jesus. Now, y'all are getting bored with that, right? So so what about Epaphroditus? Let's talk about First Baptist Church, Valley Springs. Back in October, we appointed a committee uh, for uh, youth minister search. And so that committee has met and done various things. We had uh, some very good applicants to the thing. And uh, Brandon Cohn, one of our own, stepped up and, and, and has been serving as our interim youth leader in that time. And uh, Brandon also 
applied for that position. And, and after interviewing with the committee and talking with the personnel, we are happy today during our business meeting to present to our membership for a vote uh, Brandon Cohn as our candidate for a newly created position. We have tweaked the position, and the name of the position is Minister of Small Group Discipleship. Minister of Small Group Discipleship. And the heart, the big core of it is going to be youth. Caring for our youth ministry, which is, in essence, a small group discipleship. And I would just say about Brandon, I'm going to uh, make him blush here. Go ahead and put your uh, head down and blush, Brandon. I, let, me, let me just brag on Brandon a little bit. Again, we had some great candidates. Brandon is among our own. We know Brandon Cohn, I've known him for several years, and he has always proven himself to be a lot like a Timothy and an Epaphroditus, one who cares about the things God cares about. He is an able teacher. He loves the Lord. And I'll tell you this, he loves First Baptist Church Valley Springs. He's one of our own. And I'll tell you, I just think it's a great thing when the church can look and see the giftedness in our own people and how God is raising up right from among our own midst people to be leaders and ministers in the church. There are times when the church needs to call from outside, but there are also times when we just need to recognize, hey, the Lord has gifted every person in this congregation, and here is a person who is willing and interested in serving the Lord right here in the church. And so at the end of the service, not right here mid-sermon, I just asked Brandon, I said, if you would, just get up and maybe for five minutes, just tell us a little bit about maybe your salvation experience or a little bit about what your passion is in terms of ministry and what you see uh, having served in the interim, uh, just so you get to know him a little bit. But we are very pleased in this practical matter to present Brandon to the church today uh, in this new ministry position. All right, so we're going to vote on that a little bit later. The last thing, and I'm going to read a couple of verses on into chapter 3, that Paul, again, addresses some practical matters. And here's what I would say. Here is a purpose of ministry reiterated, a purpose of ministry reiterated, and we see the importance of the church, the church's importance and its purpose. Let's read uh, Philippians 3, verses 1 through 3. It says, Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble for me, and it's a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and take pride in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Have you ever thought about what this is for? Well, why do we do this? I mean, it's a reality. We are the family of God. Why do we get together and mingle together and get in these little places and these little seats and come together and sing songs? What is the church all about? What is the purpose of the gathered people of God? And we need to think about this this morning. We need to think about it every morning. We need to think about it especially every Sunday morning. The gathered people of God, and we're going to come back to this, I think, probably one more sermon. But the first thing you notice there in, in chapter 3 is he says, rejoice in the Lord. It is no problem. In fact, it's very important that I say to you again, rejoice. Recenter, refocus your joy in the most important place that is in the Lord and what he has done for us. So the gathered people of God, you know what we do when we gather together? We come back together to refocus and remember 
that our joy, our ultimate hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we come together as a church each week and we do various kinds of things. Midweek we do it. On Sundays especially we do it. We renew our joy in the Lord. Have you ever found your joy in the Lord? What would you say is your top three sources of joy? If you're honest, would any of them be the things of the Lord? I think what happens for most of us throughout the week, throughout our lives, different things come, we experience different things, and we look for, and maybe we find good, happy things. We enjoy certain things, and it's just really easy for the spiritual things, the ultimate things, the eternal things to slip down in our priority list. And so in the church, when we come together, we want to rejoice in the Lord. We want to help people who have never found the Lord Jesus to find that there is ultimate good and happiness and gladness in knowing Jesus as Savior. That's what the church is about. It's about finding and renewing and refocusing our joy in the Lord. So he says that. He says, rejoice in the Lord. That's part of what it's about. But then he says some other things. Look at what he says in verse 2. Beware of the dogs. Did y'all, have y'all ever seen that sign on someone's fence? You didn't know it was a Bible verse, did you? It's not the dogs he's talking about. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. And what we see here is the need for sound biblical teaching and instruction for the people of God so that they are not led astray into false realities, false ideologies, false teachings, putting our hope in something else other than the Lord. And so the church needs a strong teaching ministry to help people to beware and not go down paths that will lead them astray. And so we're finding our joy in the Lord. We're seeing good, solid teaching, feeding the sheep, dispelling the errors of the wolves. What else does he say? Verse 3. We're the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and take pride in Christ Jesus. It's a ministry of worshiping in the Spirit. We come together, we're supposed to worship in spirit and in truth. The Spirit of the Lord is in this place, and I'll tell you the primary way He is in this place is through His people. The Spirit of God indwells his people. We've been learning about spiritual gifts on Wednesday nights and seeing that God wants to use every one of us in a special way when we come together in these gatherings as we worship in the Spirit. And here's what we do. We glory in Christ. We glorify Christ. What about this piece right here of the church? Pull your steeple back out. Everybody get your steeple. Some of y'all are sleeping in the Lord. You're not rejoicing in the Lord. All right, right here. You got your steeple out. Steeples are these things. You go right out here and you look back up at the church. We got this this steeple, this big high spire. Nobody knows exactly uh, when steeples became popular. There is still a steeple in place down south of Paris. Never been there. Not Paris, Arkansas. Paris, France. That goes back to the 12th century. Churches put these steeples. What's on top of the steeple usually? There's a cross. We lift high the cross. Our steeple does it physically. Most people say that in America, churches put on these big uh, uh, steeples to impress people, to make the architecture look good. But actually, that they're in the town, that people would be able to be anywhere in the local vicinity and look up 
and find a church. And they would see the cross. So we come together to lift high and glory in Jesus and in his cross and in his death for us and in the life that we have by his resurrection. So our little thing, we're gathered together with Jesus and the people of God, but we gather together in a place. This place has a steeple. Many of the places have a steeple, and they have a door that welcomes people into the place. Clayton, would you put up our little picture? Do you have that slide ready? You know, physical people and spiritual people get together in bodies. In our body, we, we come together, and we gather in a place. Now, things would be a lot cheaper on First Baptist Church, Valley Springs, if one of you would open your home for our weekly gatherings. Open your home. Anybody volunteering for that? We've got about 100, 150 people that come any given week. Anybody want to volunteer for that? No, we have to have a place together. This is the place where First Baptist Church, Valley Springs, is gathered. I don't know if you all know the history. Some of you know it far better than I. The old sanctuary, the original sanctuary over there where the, our preschool is now. That was the original building. It's the first one you come up on when you come up on the property. And then there was another sanctuary built here. It's now the children's church area. There was a sanctuary built there. There was a fire. And then this uh, sanctuary was built in the 90s. And then the Family Life Center, a little while later, maybe early 2000s or so, to be a place where the people of God could come together and worship, and have teaching, and have fellowship, and do all of these things that we see clearly here in Philippians chapter 3. About a year and a half ago, uh, just continually needing to uh, make some repairs and having some physical uh, challenges with our property, uh, we decided that the best thing that we could do probably is get a game plan. Let's get a vision for what we need to do and what it's going to end up looking like because what we found ourselves doing was just patching up and fixing up lots of little things with no clear vision. And so about a year ago, uh, we had, after talking with an architect for about a year, uh, six months, the church hired Rick Sowell and Associates to come up with what, what could we do here in a reasonable manner. We don't want to just... Uh, um, you know, go, go nuts, but we want to be good stewards of this property. We want to facilitate all of these purposes of the church. And Rick Sowell came up with this beautiful plan uh, for some exterior updates. Uh, there's a little addition of a bump out of a foyer there, uh, reconfiguring that second sanctuary that's now the children's church as maybe our common space where we come together and have refreshments and becomes a multi-purpose space where we could also teach but it's a hub. That becomes the welcome center of the church. Maybe doing some uh, swap around with the offices, making some uh, a cry room or two, nursery rooms uh, here a little closer to the sanctuary. So there were many things that we wanted to do. Well, Rick was going to finish those plans in about six weeks, and six weeks turned into right about a year. We finally have the detailed plans, the blueprints, if you will. We're still doing some tweaks and, and things to try to make sure that we're doing things in the most economical way that we can. Uh, but we have those plans, and we have given them to a builder here in our area, a contractor, uh, that we think would be a good one to work with, and just ask them, would you be willing to do this project for us, work with us on it, and, you know, of course, what do you think it would cost? So those plans are in the hand of a contractor. We have not gotten a number back, but here's what I would say to you, each of you, especially mainly to our members. Uh, I want to encourage you that we are committed 
to doing updates and fixing some things and making this facility not just a little more aesthetically pleasing, but more functional. But here's the thing. If we don't do some things to this property, we've got some holes and some cracks and some water coming in in places. If we don't take care of things as good stewards, this facility will not continue to be usable for the future. We're going to begin to have compounded problems. So I would just call on you as a matter of prayer, and I would just ask you to pray to the Lord what your part maybe financially would be in helping making these things a reality. Listen, we don't have to have the final number that it's going to cost. We're going to do projects. The amount and the speed at which we're able to do things depends upon your uh, sharing that vision and your commitment to that. So here's what I would say to you. We're going to begin to put out little building project envelopes to encourage and remind folks, if you are so inclined to give to the building project, I want to ask you to do that now. It would be a matter of faith. Now, some want to have all kinds of more information. Hey, we're never going to have all the information. But here's what we know. Listen, the Lord loves the church. And I believe you, as members of this church, love this local body and are committed to seeing this church thrive and grow. And we want to prepare the church. There's coming a day when some of us are not going to be here any longer. We're going to have been translated. We're going to move on up with George Jefferson, aren't we? We're going to graduate up, and we're going to leave you poor suckers behind. No, we're going to leave a church behind. And we've got little kids here. How many of y'all were here as very young folks? Maybe back back uh, in that original sanctuary when it was still a sanctuary. Was it anybody? All right. Were y'all, Jerry, you must have just been born then, right? <laughs> How many of you uh, have special memories of being uh Maybe you were saved or baptized or married in that second sanctuary that's now the children's church. Yeah, so many. How many of you were here as church members when this facility was built? And I'll guarantee you at each step along the way, the church had to decide, do we value, really value the church and the work of the church, enough to sacrificially give. And I'll guarantee you it was a step of faith for those who were leading and those who were part of the congregation. And you look around and there's some little folks here. There's some young folks here. who In 30, 40, 50 years, there's going to be a different preacher standing up here. How many of y'all remember when First Baptist Church Valley Springs took a step of faith and began to make this a reality. We need to do these things, all right? So I want to encourage you, just as a matter of practical theology, a matter of practical Christianity, to ask the Lord what part you will play. But you know what? Oh, yeah, the church has that, and the church has that, a facility. But here's what I would say. We are more concerned with each one of you than we are this and the doors.
The facility is just a facility. It's a place. It's a place where we want you to come and be a part of this church, this local body, so that together we can lift up the Lord, we can find our joy Sunday by Sunday, recenter and refocus on him, and let the Spirit of God do his work. Practical things matter. Practical things matter. All right, I bored y'all. I can tell it in your eyes. So, Brandon, I'm going to do this. I'm going to ask you to come and uh, maybe just take that mic and uh, share a little bit about whatever you want to share about. All right? Sean, uh, he sprung this on me Thursday. Uh, so I've had a few days to think about what I wanted to say, and I thought, you know, maybe I should write this down and collect my thoughts. Uh, but if you've ever been in one of my classes, I usually make a lot of notes, but I rarely ever look at them. So I just cut out the middleman today and just decided to go ahead and shoot from the hip. Um, I didn't know what Sean was going to preach about today, but it's kind of funny that he uh, was preaching about the old building. <laughs> Because uh, I was saved over in that second sanctuary uh, when I was 10 years old. Uh, one Sunday morning, I decided I didn't want to go to children's church. And if you remember way back uh, in those days, 34 years ago or so, 30 years ago, um, used to, in the middle of the service, they would have all the kids get up and come sit up here on stage, and somebody would tell a little bit of a Bible study, and then all the kids would go back to children's church. Uh, for whatever reason, I decided I didn't want to go to children's church that day, so I sat in the sanctuary with my mom, and Carl Garvin preached a sermon about hellfire and brimstone, and it scared me to death. Um, being 10 and being very uh, shy... I didn't get up and walk the aisle during the invitation, but I did tell my mom, I was like, I want to be saved. So uh, I went back to Carl's office with him after uh, the sermon, and that's where I got saved. He walked me through the Romans Road for the first time, and uh, I was a believer from that moment forward. But uh, I'll be honest, I didn't really know what being a Christian was all about at that point. And it took me uh, about eight to ten more years before I really kind of figured it out. And uh, I went to college at College of the Ozarks. And, uh, you know, very uh, faith-based. And I was looking around at all these other people from all these other denominations and going, man, they are doing so much more for God than I am. Like, they are so on fire. And I had kind of grown up with this idea in my head, you know, Southern Baptists are the ones who have it figured out. Like, we're the ones who are living the, the, the New Testament and everybody else's. They're adding all this other stuff to it that doesn't need to be there. <laughs> so it was kind of wild for me to be uh, with all of these folks who were uh, Mormons and Catholics and all these other people who I just thought, well, they're not real Christians. You know, they're not Baptists. Uh, and seeing them, and it really inspired me to examine my own relationship with God. And that's really uh, when I, I, I wouldn't say that I felt the call to ministry at that point, but I did start teaching some classes and some life groups and things like that on campus and uh, developed a real love for studying the Bible and for teaching classes and uh, definitely for 
uh, having small groups, and that's kind of followed me as an adult. Uh, wherever it's been that we've gone to church, uh, I've, al- I've always been put in charge of a small group or Sunday school class or something like that. And uh, it's a real passion of mine. I really love discipleship. Um, I've said before that I think that's one place that the church, the modern day church, not First Baptist Church Valley Springs necessarily, but we fail is we we focus so much on evangelism and then uh, we don't know uh, what to do once we're saved. Sometimes we we kind of miss the handoff whenever we're sending people out to uh, be ambassadors to Christ, and um, that's the approach that that I have. Uh, envision for the youth group uh, here at First Baptist Church Valley Springs is to really uh, focus on discipleship. You know, uh, evangelism is key. It's the Great Commission. We're supposed to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth, and uh, I think that's an important piece. But we also need to equip our youth with the knowledge and the skills to apply their salvation out in the world and to build up uh, leaders, as Sean was saying. He used Timothy is an example. Like I said, I didn't know what he was going to preach on this morning. But I really made 1 Timothy 4.12 kind of our youth group rally call, especially with our student leadership group. Despise not your youth. Be an example for believers. And uh, I've tried to tell our youth, you know, hey, you guys can inspire the adults in our congregation. And that's something else that has really been on my heart is making the youth group more of a, a part of the church body as a whole like Sean said, and um, that's just kind of my heart. Uh, Sean alluded to it, you know, uh, back in December, y'all voted on me to be the interim, and at that time, that was really my only intent. I was like, I'll just, I'll man the ship until we get somebody else. Um, Whenever uh, John had resigned, I had only been up in the Wednesday night service with the youth for one Wednesday before that happened. And uh, just went up there to, to be a part of the junior boys uh, small group. And they came out like, hey, we need somebody to teach. I was like, well, I can do that. I can teach. No big deal. Um, but through that, uh, I really started to develop a love for the youth ministry, for the kids that we have here in our church. And uh, the, the more I went on, the more I said, man, this, this is what I want to do. And it was actually my wife, Liz. I'm going to introduce her at this point. She's right over here. If you don't know her, she's up here singing on Sunday mornings. My son, James, he's up there in the sound booth. Um, but Liz told me she it was, uh, it was the day after a fifth quarter, and we were driving over to Fayetteville for something. Probably was a ball game, if I was guessing. And she's like, you know, you seem to really love this. You seem to really love working with the youth. And before, I was like, well, I'll do the interim. And I even made the comment to her once. I'm like, I think Sean's going to try and make me be the new youth minister. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I decided, you know, it was just through prayer and through, through my family's encouragement. Uh, you know, I asked James, I'm like, do you, you care if I'm up there with you? How, is it going to be weird for your dad to be your youth minister? Uh, he, he signed off on it. He's okay with it. But um, I was kind of pulling away from God, and God just kept pulling me closer. And uh, that, that was my decision. That was one of the, the questions asked of me in the search committee interview I did was, hey, you know, at first you were only going to be the interim. Why didn't you 
just immediately say you do it. Well, because I'm kind of dumb, and God has to work on me a little bit before I get what he's saying. Um, but anyway, that's that's my heart. That's, uh, that's my thoughts on our youth group, and uh, I see a lot of great things in the future of First Baptist Church Valley Springs and the, the kids that we have here. So thank you. Well, as I said, Brandon has proven himself. He is an able teacher. Um, I know many of our uh, young adults uh, go to his Sunday school class. He teaches a men's Bible study at Johnny Rex's, I think, on Fridays, and I've heard very uh, good things. And just know him to be a, a man who loves the Lord, loves this church, and and uh, has an interest to serving in this ministry capacity. So we're excited about that. We'll be uh, taking action on that in the uh, business meeting. So members, please plan on staying for that. Uh, the rest of you, go home and get a nap. <laughs> we're glad that you're here. Would you uh, bow with me as we close in prayer? Father, we are thankful for the local church, which is an expression of your love, of the work of your spirit. It is a local outpost, we understand, of people who rejoice in the Lord, who believe by faith that Jesus died for us, that you raised him from the dead and that we are united with him by faith forever and that we have ultimate and eternal life and hope. So God, would you restore in us the joy of our salvation? Would you guide us by your spirit? Will you help us and give us wisdom to give us an increased measure of faith as we set about doing things that require that measure? The things that you have marked out for First Baptist Church at Valley Springs we want to follow you. We want to prepare for the good things, the great things that you have in store for the future and to be faithful in our day. So guide us in all of these things as we seek to exercise in practical ways what we believe you have called us to. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. <laughs>